Every day is a brand new adventure. So let's embark on this journey together. City News 570 presents Kitchener Today. You can't start the show yet. I'm not ready. <sighs> Producer Paulie in here. Kitchener today from noon till three. It is the Friday edition of Kitchener today here on City News 570. Yeah. Here once again. And, you know, I was I was feeling all relaxed. I'm like, you know, what? I got about 10 minutes left to go before the show begins. Everything's good. And then. I don't know. Everything just sneaks up on you. Just crazy. I didn't, I just realized now, I, because uh, the last couple of days I've been sending out a tweet just to kind of promote what's on the show. I just realized now I didn't do that. But I can tell you right now it's on the show. Uh, of course, two o'clock, the last hour on Friday afternoons means free phones Friday. The phone lines are open for you. Or anything you want to talk about between 2 and 3 p.m. today. As one of my favorite talk show hosts used to say, time to get it off your chest and on the radio. So, of course, Free Phones Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. At 1.30, Vinod Goal will be here, and we're going to be talking about vaccine hesitancy. Now, why, quote, Doing your own research doesn't work, but reason alone won't change minds. And so that, and that might be a good springboard too into Free Phones Friday. I suspect that that one is really going to get the phones ringing. And uh, of course, we can continue Free Phones Friday from 2 to 3. It really kind of starts at about 1.45. But anyway, 1 p.m., Spotify. We've heard about, you know, over the last couple of weeks, few weeks, some artists have pulled their music off Spotify as they don't like some of the other content on there. That's not exactly what we're talking about, but that controversy is just the latest in, you know, a line of of issues that some smaller musical artists anyway feel is a problem, Uh, not necessarily with the music industry i think that's part of it but more specifically with streaming platforms specifically and they give you know the extra promotion to the bigger artists which i guess you know kind of makes sense you know on the surface you know the the bigger artists are the ones that people want to hear but i think in this piece one of the things that's being suggested is that they are being disproportionately not given promotion. Like if they have smaller artists, let's say, you know, maybe they have 5% of the listenership. Maybe they have maybe like 3% of the promotion. So anyway, I think that's part of it. So anyway, a Brianne Selman uh, wrote a piece in the conversation. We're going to be here talking about that at 1 p.m. And at 1230, uh, Carl Hansky, our own Carl Hansky had this on the news 
this morning. Uh, some border city mayors uh, held a press conference today, and they are calling uh, for an end to testing at land border crossings. Or at least some, because I, I, I think they loosened up the testing restrictions for for people flying over the border, but people driving over the border, it's still, uh, the testing requirements are still how they used to be. Anyway, we're going to find about that. Mike Bradley, the mayor of Sarnia, who was one of the mayors present at this morning's news conference, will be joining us at 1230. Now, as we've been doing all week, we like to take a look at some of the special days. Every day is something. So today is national. This is my, I love this day. Today is National Chocolate Covered Nut Day. Come on, chocolate covered anything is good, but today is National Chocolate Covered Nut Day. When it comes to the delightful crunch. And sweet goodness of chocolate-covered peanuts, this particular day is perfect reason to celebrate this popular and delicious treat. Get ready to enjoy Chocolate-Covered Peanuts Day. Today is also National Clam Chowder Day. (laughs) Now, love... Loves clams and chowder. Everyone has heard of clam chowder, but did you know that it also has a holiday? Well, yeah, of course, everything's a holiday. National Clam Chowder Day is a day all about celebrating the history of this beloved fish stew, historical in its origins in the New England area and helped ultimately inspire creations such as the Manhattan Clam Chowder. Haven't heard of that one. Rhode Island Clam Chowder and Long Island clam chowder. It just sounds like New York City is trying to copy what's going on in Boston. I'm I'm not a huge fan of seafood. I do like <laughs> I do like salmon and tuna, but does that count as seafood? I don't think salmon and tuna are found in the sea. They're they're more of a a river thing, right? Because there was that one Seinfeld episode that the salmon swim against the current and the tuna swim with it. So today is National Clam Chowder Day. I've never had clam chowder. I had a roommate in college who loved the clam chowder. And I'd say probably two or three times a week he would heat some up for lunch or dinner, it stunk up the whole apartment. <laughs> so yeah, today is National Clam Chowder Day. Now, of course, today being Friday, I'm going to tell you a couple of the days that are happening tomorrow on Saturday. Saturday is Levi Strauss Day. They're comfy. They last for years and years. They don't require dry cleaning or any other kind of special treatment. They're the perfect for a number of occasions, from a trip to the grocery store, to a walk in the park, or an evening at the pub, to a number of even semi-formal social occasions. They're incredibly versatile, meaning they look good with pretty much everything, from t-shirts to smart blazers. In fact, you can't imagine life without them at all. So it is Levi Strauss Day. 
And also tomorrow is National Personal Chef Day. How many of us have a personal chef? (laughs) They say most chefs could start a fight in an empty room. What does that mean? I've never heard that expression. If there's any chefs calling, I'd be curious to know what that expression means. That most chefs could start a fight in an empty room. I, I'm not following. If you want to help me out, if you want to give me a call to it any time today, 519-570-2545. Out of town, 1-800-570-5715, star 570. Anyway, they say most chefs could start a fight in an empty room, so give yours to... So give yours some love on National Personal Chef Day. The chances are that you're their only fan and their only critic on a daily basis. Has the relationship become stale? Why not enliven it with the obvious fashion by cooking them a meal and telling them not to hold back on their opinions? Then, as a few pieces of your finest china go whizzing past your ear, you can feel happy that they're allowed for your go-it-alone gastronaut. What does that mean, to let off steam? I don't even know what that means. So there you go. Yes, today is National Chocolate-Covered Nut Day, which I will be celebrating, and National Clam Chowder Day, which I will not be celebrating. So we've been having fun with this the last few days, and Brittany, as you probably have noticed, is not here again today, still not feeling great. So we wish Brittany a quick and healthy recovery. So over the last couple of days, we've been playing this little game that Brittany came up with, or I don't know where she found this information, what she called the not-so-impossible question. So we have a couple of these questions ready to go again today. Again, no prizes. (laughs) When we did this on Monday, I got an email from our promotions manager two minutes later and go, what is going on? Is is there a contest going on right now? My phone is ringing off the hook. <laughs> I guess people were calling the uh, the main switchboard or something. There's a contest. What's going on? Yes, because normally any contests are supposed to be approved through the promotions department. Now, technically, this isn't a contest because it's just a little game we're playing. There's no prize. But sorry, Krista, I love you. <laughs> Krista's been here twenty years, by the way. Twenty years. I think it was this week that official email went out. But anyway, so we're going to play this little game, The Impossible Question. I have actually three of them here. Maybe we, maybe we get to all three. Maybe we don't. But give me a call. 519-570-2545. Out of town, 1-800-570-5715. And star 570. Here is the first not-so-impossible question. of people under the age of 25 have never used one of these, but most of their parents have. Again, 86% of people under the age of 25 have never used one of these, but most of their parents have. 519-570-2545. 1-800-570-5715, star 570, hands free. We're going to take a break, come back with some of those guesses. This is City News 570 and Kitchener Today. 
And as has happened the last two days, the phone lines have lit up with our little game that we like to play here in the first segment of the show, which is called the not-so-impossible question. Although, there, there used to be a radio station in town here. Station's technically still around. They're doing other things on there. They used to have something called the impossible question. Is this, is this a way of, of getting around? Not trying to pretend that we're doing the same thing? Anyway, the, the not-so-impossible question. 86% of people under the age of 25 had never used one of these, but most of their parents have. To the phones, Kyle, do you know the answer? Yes, I'm not trying to be the first caller here, but I'm going to say a fax machine. No, but that's not a bad guess. All right. Not bad at all. Try calling back if you can think of another answer. 86% of people under 25 have never used one of these, but most of their parents have. Don, do you know the answer? I think I do. It's a toss-up between condoms and rotary phone, but I'm going to go with rotary phone. Neither one of those are correct. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> really? I thought we're practicing uh, safe practices more now than than we ever have. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Doug, do you know the answer? Uh, I guess you, you, I, I guess I'm wrong. I, I was going to say rotary dial telephone as well. So. No, not a rotary dial phone, but that's a good guess too. Okay. I'm sure that would also be probably around 86% of people under 25 have never used a rotary phone. But that's not what the question is. 86% of people under 25 have never used one of these, but most of their parents have. Rob, do you know the answer? Hello, Rob. Bob? Oh, Bob, sorry. I. You know what? Bob is written on my screen and my eyes aren't working today. Go, uh, Bob, okay. go ahead. Uh, first of all, I just want to say how great a joy, uh, job you've been doing on, on the radio. Well, thank you. That's very nice. I'm going to say roadmap. Roadmap. No. No, that's not the answer. Uh, try again uh, if you can think of another one. All right. Richard, 86% of people under 25 have never used one of these, but most of their parents have. Do you know it? A personal check. A personal check. No, you're... You're kind of in the ballpark. You Personal check maybe could be used with what we're... You know what? I'm just making people more confused. You're... Kind of in the ballpark, but kind of not. Not a bad answer. Mike, do you know the answer? Oh, it's not the answer, but it was fun. Lawn darts, man. They were a blast. Lawn darts? You don't remember those things, man? You know, take out your eye and then it's a sport. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not long darts, Mike. <laughs> uh, see if I can think of a clue. I don't know. 86% of people under the age of 25 have never used one of these, but most of their parents have. This is our not-so-impossible question. Let's try John. Hi. Is it a post-stamp? Sorry, say that again. You cut out. Post-stamp. No, but you are really close. A post-stamp, I think he said. That's... That's almost a clue in and of itself. Not a post stamp, but 
getting in the right ballpark. 86% of people under the age of 25 have never used one of these, but most of their parents have. Mike, do you know the answer? Uh, I was going to say poll stamp, but common sense, too. Common Common sense, sense. yeah. Some people would agree with that for sure, but no. (laughs) You're in the right ballpark with post stamp. Mark, do you know the answer? Uh, probably not, but I'm going to say an electric razor. Not, good old Phillips. Not, not an electric razor. Okay. In fact, I think, I don't know, I think electric razors would be more popular now than they were years ago, right? Because this question would suggest that this is something that we might not have a need for as much as we used to. We still have a need for it from time to time, but not as much as we used to. Uh, 86% of people under 25 have never used one of these, but most of their parents have. Britt, do you know the answer? Uh, I hope so. I'm going to guess a telephone book. Not a telephone book. Good guess, though. Uh, We've got a couple of more minutes left here. Mike, do you know the answer? 86% of people under 25 have never used one of these. An envelope. Oh, you are so close. That is, we're getting closer. We had postage stamp and then we had envelope. Really, really close. 86% of people under the age of 25 have never used one of these, but most of their parents have. Curtis, come through for me. Well, I kind of screwed because it's envelope. It's not envelopes. That's what our previous uh, our previous guess was, but that is very close. We got a couple of more minutes here. We can take a couple of more calls, and then I'll give you the answer. Don't worry, I won't leave you hanging. Eighty six percent of people under the age of twenty five have never used one of these, but most of their parents have. That is our not so, as we're calling it, our not so impossible question. We've been doing this ever since Wednesday. We should have started this on Tuesday. This is a lot of fun. 86% of people under the age of 25 have never used one of these, but most of their parents have. Mike, do you know it? The good old red box mailbox on the corner used to drop an envelope in. They've been gone for about 25 years. It's not a mailbox. Oh, you're kidding. But again, you're, you're in the right ballpark. Uh, we got stamps and envelopes. They, yeah, stamps and envelopes and mailboxes. It, we have, I think we've mentioned everything regarding mail except this one, it, 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 except this one thing. Let's take one more call. And the guy who's been waiting on the line longer than anybody else at this point is Robert. Do you know the answer, Robert? Well, I think you just said it, unfortunately, so I'm wrong. It'll be, I thought it was postage stamp. No, it's not a postage stamp. Okay, let's, you know what, one more, one more, one more. Greg, do you know the answer? Well, I'm going to have to say a mailbox. No, it's not a mailbox. The answer, that 86% of people under 25 have never used one of these, but most of their parents have, drum roll, please, a letter opener. A letter opener. So we were in the ball. We had envelopes. We had stamps. We had mailboxes. And it's letter opener. 25% of people under the age of 25 have never used a letter opener. So that's our in not-so-impossible question for today.
We're going to go to the news with Aaron Anderson. Coming up next is uh, Mike Bradley. He is the mayor of Sarnia. And he and a few other of the border city mayors in the area held a press conference this morning. They're hoping to loosen up the travel restrictions when it comes to the land border. So we'll be talking about that next. Producer Paulie in today on Kitchener Today on City News 570. Welcome back to Kitchener Today on City News 570. Producer Polly has been sitting... Why am I speaking to myself in the third person? I, Producer Polly, have been in with you all week long. And I have to say it's been fun. Been a lot of fun. Mayors of south, southwestern Ontario border towns, along with the U.S. counterpart and tourism groups, are calling on the federal government to end the need for any testing of COVID-19 at land border crossings. And a number of mayors held a uh, a virtual news conference this morning, and Sarnia Mayor Mike Bradley was one of those in attendance and joins us now to discuss it. Mike, thanks for joining us. Oh, you're welcome, Paul. Now, I've been itching to take a trip stateside, and I, I haven't been out of the country since October of 2019. And one of the things that are that's kind of preventing me right now, I can I can't keep the the rules straight. They kind of change them every now and again. What are the land border rules as they stand right now? Well, I'm not an expert on it, Paul, because they do keep on changing. <laughs> but they have dropped the uh, the one for expensive tests down to this other test. And I say we, the border mayors, do not believe that that is necessary at this mm-hmm. point in time with uh, what's happened on both sides of the border and vaccinations. But it's very frustrating, especially in a border city, for any of your listeners that know Sarnia, Windsor, Niagara, whatever. You know, a lot of people have relationships over there. They have family and they have friends. And then you put them through this torturous process that at this point in time, for the last couple of months, doesn't really mean anything. And it's expensive, and there's also delays in getting the results and all those things, too. So uh, a really good example tomorrow night, uh, the Leafs are in uh, Detroit mm-hmm. and uh, playing the Wings, and a lot of people from here would normally go. But because of the testing and getting the testing and the cost and the uncertainty of, uh, of the results coming back so you can get back in this country, uh, it's a challenge for many people. And, you know, we've always, uh, throughout this, I mean, the mayor's group has been quite reasonable in the border cities, even though uh, COVID's had a devastating impact on our tourism and our just general economy. But we were reasonable. We supported the border closing. Uh, when the government uh, a few months ago decided to tighten the border again after opening it for a few months, we lived with that. We understood the health care concerns there. But we just as a group, and we've been you know, talking to experts, saying it's really totally redundant. So do away with it and take away that expense and let people like yourself travel again. Now, I, my understanding, I think the PCR test is the one that might take a couple of days to come back but is more accurate. Yes. And the rapid antigen test, that's what we need currently, I believe, right? Yes, and that's the one that's accuracy is also questioned uh, uh, by many people. And again, if you know, we weren't at the vaccination level, we, we are. Uh, if we didn't have to deal with Omicron and how it's so widespread, 
and the fact is the border isn't going to block that. Um, I wouldn't be advocating for this or with the other mayors, but uh, we've reached the point where we're saying, look, you can travel to Australia again uh, without the restrictions. Why can't you travel back and forth between Canada and the U.S. in a safe manner? Now, uh, the federal health minister recently made an announcement on the easing and testing of the restrictions, but that only applies, I think, as you just said, to air travel. Is there is there any restrictions regarding air travel at the moment? Not that I'm that familiar with, because uh, I'm not dealing with that. I'm dealing with the border crossing. Right, yeah. But I will say, I mean, they've been doing this. They do this every time, right? They hint they're going to do something, and this applies to Queen's Park, too. They hint they're going to do something. Then they leak what they're going to do, and then eventually they get around to doing it. They're very cautious on making some of these decisions. And in this case, I mean, they've got the support of the border mayors on both sides of the border. Uh, they've got general, there's no pushback from the public from what I'm getting, is they just want to be able to function and go back and forth. And it's a calculated risk, I mean. The state of Michigan across from us, which I'm looking at right now, um, has very high COVID numbers. And mm-hmm. uh, even yesterday, there was 300 deaths and there were 3,000 new cases. So anyone going there has to you know, make a determination for themselves if it's a safe thing to do. But this test does not help anyone either way going back and forth. Now, what kind of um, impact do these border uh, measures have on a border town like Sarnia? Well, it has just an impact on that, again, those day-to-day relationships. It wouldn't be uncommon to jump in the car to go over to Port Huron, Michigan, for lunch. Uh, it's interesting, even when they had that period of time for a couple of months, uh, the mayor of Windsor was saying today, in a very similar situation, they didn't get a great increase in traffic. I think people are going to be very cautious. Even the mayor of Niagara Falls will say, I mean, their, their whole livelihood is tourism, but they expect it's going to be a really slow recovery. I think the same here. We're now just starting to gear up, and we're starting, I was at an event yesterday where they're announcing a new uh, musical festival here. Uh, because there was too much uncertainty, you know, with the province change the rules again on how many people, et cetera, et cetera. So people are starting to gear up again. And with what's happening in Ontario, um, with uh, the different things coming to an end, it doesn't make sense to keep this testing in place. Would you say that border towns like Sarnia are more dependent on tourism than maybe your average city or town? Well, we are, uh, but there are towns like Stratford. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would say half their market is coming from Detroit in normal times. And, you know, we are a flow-through place. Uh, a lot of people come through here to go to London or Kitchener or to Toronto. And, uh, yes, we're, we're feeling that impact. And, again, we, and, and also because in normal times we had a lot of seasonal events. We used to have an international boat race. We have an international symphony, which is, you know, struggling to survive through all this. So that relationship is very, very interdependent in border cities. Now, obviously, you know, you're hoping to get a response from the federal government sooner rather than later. Do you know what kind of a time frame maybe we're looking at? Well, it's all the time frame I'm looking at, along with the other border mayors, is tonight at midnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's probably not going to happen. Right. We actually had held off, to be honest with you, on this media conference for probably about a week, uh, mainly because there's so many other events between the blockade and the protesters in Ottawa and then what's happening in the Ukraine. Uh, we were looking for a window where we could get the government's attention. And there have been signals that they're looking at this, but we're saying, well, like, tell us why you're not doing this and, and eliminating it right now. So I'm hoping that this will be a push. Again, it's a nonpartisan group of mayors on both sides of the border saying, look, we're willing to move forward in our communities if you take away these testing uh, rules, so do it. All right, Mike, thank you very much for your time today. Before, but While I have you here, I want sure. to ask you, a couple of months ago, my wife and I made a trip over to Sarnia, and we were looking for something to eat, and we felt like a sandwich, and we stumbled across this place called Elfie's Deli. 
Do you, are they, do you know anything about them? Are they like a, uh, a Sarnia institution? It was excellent. Well, that's a new one for me. I'm going to have to go look for it. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to become a tourist in my own hometown. It was amazing. I'm I can't remember what street it was on. I just It seemed like one of these little storefronts that had been in place for years. I just, yeah, I, Check it out. Elfie's Deli. They make awesome well, sandwiches. Well, Paul, thank you for the tip. Thank you. <laughs> I'll go look. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye-bye. Mike Bradley is the mayor of of Sarnia, Ontario. And, um, yeah, I think a, a lot of people, at, at least at least I am, you know, I've been looking forward to, you know, taking a trip stateside, whether or not it's to, you know, Las Vegas. I think I've mentioned on the show a couple of times that, my, you know, my wife and I uh, really enjoy Las Vegas. But even just taking a day trip down to Buffalo or even Detroit, uh, one of my wife's favorite bands is playing in Detroit in... June, I think it is. And I think she's on the verge of buying tickets. I'm not sure if she has yet. I would think that by June, everything would be would be open. But, you know, one of the things that's been preventing, you know, me from going down, I, I you know, I mentioned it to Mike, I'm just, I, I can never keep straight on what the the rules are at any one time. Is the border open? Is it closed? Do I need a rapid test? Do I need an antigen test? Do I need a test to go in one direction but not another or a different type, it's very confusing. So uh, maybe the easing of restrictions might make things a lot. I wonder if there's anybody else in, in the same you know, boat as I am. You'd like to take a day trip down you know, to Buffalo or something. You just, you're not sure if you're going to get stopped at the border because you don't have the right test or something like that. I'd be curious to know what your thoughts are on the easing of border restrictions. 519 519- 570-2545, out of town, 1-800-570-5715, and star 570, hands free. Have the, the, the rules that are in place currently, have they been confusing you like they've been confusing me? Be curious to hear your thoughts as the... Um, Again, the, some of the mayors of southwestern Ontario uh, and their border towns, Sarnia, I think Windsor, the mayor of Windsor was there, uh, Niagara Falls, Ontario, and Niagara Falls, New York, were all part of this virtual news conference this morning, and they are calling uh, for an end, along with uh, some tourism groups, on the federal government to end the need for any testing at the land border. Now, they've loosened the... The testing requirements, if you're flying over the border, flying in and out of Canada, but the land border seems to be a different story. And I, I don't know, I wonder why the decision was made for one but not the other. You know, my wife is afraid, I mean, not afraid, but a couple of, because we've been talking, when it comes to Las Vegas, we've actually been toying with the idea of driving down. And, you know, I've, I've, you know, mapped it out online. It, it, realistically, you're looking at about three days to get down there. And, you know, flying, obviously flying will take three hours, but, you know, with viruses and, the, you know, the way they circulate in an airplane. Uh, my wife and I went down to uh, the Caribbean a couple of years ago. Went on a cruise, first ever cruise. It was great, great experience. So we flew back from 
San Juan, Puerto Rico, and we went down with a group. It just wasn't the two of us. We went down with a group. There was seven or eight of us. And when we landed back in Toronto, for three or four days after, every one of us who was on that trip and on that plane flying home had a cold. I presume that there were many others on the plane who also had a cold. So, I don't know. We were toying with the idea of driving down. I We bought a new car last year. <laughs> and that was one of the, you know, justifications for buying a new car. You know, because our car was, I don't know, eight, nine years old. And we're like, we get a new car, we can drive down to Vegas and... Oh, okay. Anyways, I'll be curious what your thoughts are on the on the on the border city mayors asking for a easing of border restrictions. 519-570-2545. Out of town 1-800-570-5715 and star 570 hands free. Producer Polly filling in today on Kitchener today on City News 570. If you know, we weren't at the vaccination level, we, we are. Uh, if we didn't have to deal with Omicron and how it's so widespread, and the fact is the border isn't going to block that, um, I wouldn't be advocating for this or with the other mayors. But uh, we've reached the point where we're saying, look, you can travel to Australia again uh, without the restrictions. Why can't you travel back and forth between Canada and the U.S. in a safe manner? Mayor of Sarnia, Mike Bradley, joining us just a few moments ago to talk about this news conference that a bunch of border city mayors in southern Ontario held this morning. It was a virtual news conference over Zoom. Uh, Sarnia, the mayor of Windsor was there, Niagara Falls, Ontario, and Niagara Falls, New York. This joint news conference, uh, the border city mayors asking for the easing of restrictions at the border because it has recently occurred through air travel, but border is still subject to those slightly tighter testing requirements. 519-570-2545, out of town, 1-800-570-5715, and star 570. Eric, go ahead. Yeah, I I just want to say, you know, why it's been eased for the uh, flights is because that's people can get over the border and all that. The middle class, the big family that wants to just go over the border for the day, the Buffalo, for instance, if you just want to go see a concert or a cheaper hockey game, you can't do that. So we, the middle class, are paying, again, for the richer to be able to fly. And it's just, and Trudeau keeps doing this. Trudeau's not fighting for the middle class. He really isn't. That's an interesting theory. I hadn't thought about that. I honestly don't know if there's anything to that, because obviously an airline ticket is, is more expensive than just, you know, a day in gas to go down to the the border. I just wonder if it was an oversight, because remember, I, was it a year ago or so, you know, they, they really clamped down on, you know, border openings. You know, only essential travel was allowed. But there was this loophole that some people had discovered in Niagara Falls that if you walk over the border... There's a bridge that you can actually walk across to Niagara Falls, New York. I actually did it once many years ago. There's not much in Niagara Falls, New York, by the way. Everything is on the Canadian side. I, we, we walked over there thinking that, hey, there's going to be some, some fun stuff. No, 
It's all on the Canadian side. It's all on Clifton Hill. But anyway, there was this loophole that if you walk across the Canadian border, then it's, you know, there. I can't remember what the exact requirements were, but like, I, I don't, I, I think it was you didn't have to quarantine this. At one point there was a, you know, a five day or a seven day quarantine period if you came across the border, but that didn't apply if you walked across the border. Interestingly enough, 519-570-2545 out of town, 1-800-570-5715 and star 570. Steve, go ahead. Hey, Polly. What are your thoughts on the uh, easing of the border restrictions, hopefully? Not used to talking to you on this side. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's weird for me, too. Okay. Um, Hey, you just thought maybe it was an oversight. But honestly, what the mayors are asking for is exactly what the truckers were asking for. You know what? That is an interesting theory. And, And mainstream media is jumping on with the mayors talking about it. But nobody would talk about it when the truckers first started talking about it until the politicians started saying it was an occupation and they're Nazis and all this. And then all of a sudden mainstream jumped on it. But they were asking for the same thing. That's very interesting. I still lean to that it was an oversight. But, hmm, I wonder if this is... No, this isn't deliberate because you don't want because Prime Minister Justin Trudeau might not want to give in to what the the truckers were asking for. But that's interesting. What the mayors are asking for is similar, I think, anyway, to what the uh, the truckers were were uh, doing their convoy about. Very interesting. I like the listeners of this station. They make you think from time to time. Still got a few minutes to weigh in on this. If you want, 519-570-2545. Out of town, 1-800-570-5715 or star 570. Hands free. Mayors of southwestern Ontario border towns, along with a U.S. counterpart and tourism groups, are calling on the federal government to end the need for any testing of COVID-19 at the land border. Flying over the border, things have loosened up. Now, of course, we all know that this is going to happen eventually. I mean, you know, 20 years from now, they're, they're, they're not going to be asking for, you know, a, a COVID test to go over the land border. At least I hope not. <laughs> Some of the conspiracy theorists, I suppose, might think, well, uh, uh, that's never going to happen. We'll be, we'll be testing for years. But we, the cynical side of me says that, but when you look at what's happening, things, you know, a lot of these restrictions, particularly in the United States, uh, the state of Nevada just recently got rid of all mask mandates. And so things are slowly crawling back. 519-570-2545, 1-800-570-5715, and star 570, hands free. Curtis, go ahead. Polly, Polly, Polly. Curtis, Curtis, Curtis. Yes. I don't see how this is any different than our previous caller there that stated this is like the truckers' protest. Uh-huh. They held off, as he said, the mayor there said, um, yeah, we're hanging on for a week. Why? There was all that stuff going on last week. They didn't want to jump on that boat. I don't see yeah. any difference. Hmm. 
I know, eh? It makes you wonder. Yeah. I don't want to believe it, Curtis. Well, I don't I want, want to believe, believe it. This was just an oversight. Ah, uh, okay. Then then we're playing in a world that doesn't really happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting point. Thanks, Curtis. <sighs> well, obviously, to quote the, uh, the famous Simpsons... Uh, Newscaster Kent Brockman, only time <laughs> will tell. Uh, we still have lots coming up on the show for the uh, the rest of the afternoon. Of course, uh, 2 to 3 p.m. is Free Phones Friday, as it always is every Friday. From 2 to 3 p.m., you can call in about anything you want at that time. Get it off your chest and on the radio. Now, at 1.30, this might light up the phones. Vaccine hesitancy. Now, a um, an article recently on the conversation, conversate the conversation dot com, great site by Vinod Goal is is titled "Vaccine Hesitancy: Why Doing Your Own Research Doesn't Work, But Reason Alone Won't Change Minds." And one of the things I'm going to ask is, you know, because you wonder. Because there was a tweet from, in this article, there was a tweet from, and I can't remember who it was. It was a number of months ago, but one of the, you know, one of the big musical artists, I don't know whether it was Kesha or uh, what's the, who's the lady in the um, the Pepsi commercials? What is her name? Cardi B, is that her? Anyway, somebody tweeted, I'm not getting the vaccine because my, my cousin got it and now he's infertile. That's a bit of a a stretch. Now, I understand why some people might be hesitant to get the vaccine. Maybe you've had allergic reactions to vaccines in the past. And you're a little bit wary of this one. That is, that's a legitimate concern. But thinking that it's going to cause impotency, how does that happen? So we're going to be talking about that with Vinod Goal at one thirty At 1 o'clock... Brianne Selman will be here. Uh, she has also written an article recently on, uh, it's titled, Artists, Spotify Criticisms Point to Larger Ways Musicians Lose with Streaming. And there are three changes that they are suggesting in this article that will help the music industry, not only as a whole, but here in Canada. And one thing in that article actually is really interesting, we're going to ask Brianne about this, is... In the last 30 years, because you look at the, you know, the Canadian music charts, in the last 30 years, the percentage of Canadian artists who appear on the Canadian chart has actually gone down and not up. And so, you know, you know we think that there would be a, an investment in Canadian music or, you know, Canadian artists would be getting, you know, some airplay or, or you know, at least some promotion. And then this is more about the, the, the streaming services. But anyway, so we'll be talking about that. Actually, that's coming up right after the news. You are listening to Kitchener Today on City News 570. Producer Polly filling in. Welcome back to Kitchener Today on City News 570. Me, producer Polly, has been in with you all week from noon to three. It's been a lot of fun to be on this side 
of the microphone. Well, recently, Neil Young and Joni Mitchell removed their music from Spotify to protest the COVID-19 misinformation they felt was on Joe Rogan's podcast, which is ex- which is exclusively only on Spotify. Many artists expressed desire to join the protest, but didn't have the rights to their own music. This is the latest scandal and a long history of dissatisfaction with the platform, something academics have examined in the context of the rise of streaming services alongside changes in the recording industry and musical cultures in the digital age. That is the beginning of a very interesting piece on the conversation Dot com And the writer of that piece, Brianne Selman, joins us now. Brianne is a scholarly communications and copyright librarian at the University of Winnipeg. Brianne, welcome to the show. Hi, Paul. Well, first of all, what is a scholarly communications and <laughs> copyright librarian? Uh, so I work in an academic library, and I do a lot of support for our researchers in their publications. Those are the scholarly communications side of it. Um, and then also copyright support. So our, our authors are creating copyrighted works and using copyrighted works all the time, and I help them with that. And it kind of has expanded into this, this research area, too, because uh, copyright also is sort of an issue when, it, when we talk about music. But, mm-hmm. um, those rights that the musicians don't have is because they've signed them over. Now, now, is this a problem exclusive to Spotify, or are other streaming services also doing the same thing? Uh, so Spotify is the biggest. So I think that's why they kind of get that target on them. And, of course, they directly commissioned Joe Rogan. So that that's sort of what has stirred the nest right now. But, but the background is that a lot of other streaming platforms use similar models to Spotify. Um, we call it the one big pot model. Mm-hmm. So Apple and Amazon use the same idea where all of our subscription money every month goes into a big pot, and then it gets divided by the market share of musicians. And, and the way this is done really benefits those big musicians at the top and disadvantages those smaller players. So my subscription, for example, is uh, dominated right now by a five-year-old. <laughs> and all of those Fred Penner and Raffi plays, right. most of my subscription money is not going to them at all, but it, it's going to Drake or, or Justin Bieber instead. Uh, so there are other models. Um, there, there's something called a user-centric model where they look at each individual user and then divide up their subscription payments and they go to those musicians. And so that those models tend to benefit the smaller musicians a little bit more. And then there's somewhere like Bandcamp, actually, where bands and record labels pick their price completely. Um, so, yeah, lots of different models. Spotify is kind of the biggest problem, though. Now, there was a petition that was recently signed by 30,000 musicians calling on Spotify uh, to give more credit. What can you tell me about that petition? So it was called Justice at Spotify, and they delivered it last March, but it's still open. And it was, uh, again, smaller or independent musicians demanding more equitable payouts and more of a, a share of the profits that Spotify's making right now. So they wanted things like to be paid one cent a stream. Right now, it, it's roughly a tenth of a cent per stream. They like the user-centric payment model that Deezer uses, so they're advocating for Spotify to use that. But there's also a lot that they want to be more public. They want those public contracts available that, that 
labels have been signing. And they especially want a transparency around payola, which is sort of a pay-per-play system Mm -hmm. that Spotify says, hey, if you're willing for us to pay you even less, we'll get you more plays in our discovery mode. Um, So transparency around that is really what artists in that petition were asking for. Uh, and, and they also wanted Spotify to stop suing musicians. <laughs> so, why, why are they suing musicians? Spotify is suing musicians? Uh, yeah, there's, there's always court cases about things like that. Um, so, you know, uh, where they don't want to pay out the amount they've been asked to pay out, or there's questions about, because um, there's actually a number of different rights mm-hmm. within music about which percentage is getting paid to which rights holder, things like that. Um, and clearly Spotify can afford to hire lawyers, and mm-hmm. most independent musicians certainly cannot. And so, and so this is more of an issue then with independent musicians and musicians on smaller record labels than it would be for the major artists then? Yeah, because of that big pot system, those major label artists are getting a lot more of that pot but they also have a lot more resources. So when it comes to pay-to-play, the major labels have no problem. They can they can pay-to-play. There's also lots of ways to game Spotify. There's sort of scandals every once in a while of giant computer farms just playing the same artist's music over and over and over again to try to boost their rating. And there's also vertical integration. So those, those record labels are now integrated with events promoters, radio stations and all those same companies that really boost the big names and we're seeing that in their their share of the plays that that's increasing the top three people are getting more and more of the plays and and 97 percent of the rest of them are getting fewer plays and fewer listens now i think most people are aware that when it comes to bands making money in revenue that a lot of that revenue is actually made when they go out on tour and perform live as opposed to uh, you know, actual physical album sales or streaming sales. But this this is a trend that actually has started long before the Internet even started, like like since the, the mid-'80s. Yeah. You were saying in your piece, yeah. It's completely collapsed in the last two years. Um, so because of the pandemic, that streaming revenue is really, really important. Um, but it's also interesting, we, we, in our interviews with musicians, we were really interested to talk through some of the ways that touring in Canada is maybe a bit unique. <laughs> uh, obviously, our, our winter experience is unique um, and certainly an impediment to touring and also just the way that Canadian cities are so spread out. It's, it's not cost-effective in the way that it is in a denser place. You can't, you know, just hop on a bus or a train and be in a, another metropolis in two hours here in the prairies, at least. Um, and especially, you know, places like the north, it, it, the, we're covering much bigger distances for tours. So while tours are really important to musicians, they're also a much bigger undertaking here in Canada. Now, in your piece, you mentioned that in the last 30 years the percentage of Canadian artists appearing on Canadian charts, Canadian music charts that are produced here in Canada, has actually declined as a percentage. Uh, Why is this? So I think there's a couple of factors. Um, I think one of the biggest, of course, is that most of the Canadian record labels, the Canadian music promoters, all of the sort of behind-the-scenes Canadian music companies, 
have all been bought out by larger American companies. And, uh, you know, might, they might not have a vested of an interest in promoting the Canadian content when they have the large American content as well. Um, but there's also, I think, a little bit uh, happening with that vertical integration. Again, in Canada, it's unusually high, um, it's four times higher than in the States which means that our, our media companies are all very, very deeply intertwined. So our radio stations, the promoters, the venues, the ticket sales, all of those things are working to just promote the one or two top artists. And it's a lot harder for the independent artists and the independent uh, record labels as well to get through. Canada also has one of the highest concentrations of those major record labels. So our top few record labels account for 75% of the market, mm-hmm. and the global average is only 40%. So we really have just kind of a couple of big, loud voices that are getting heard, and, and they're the ones that are kind of just increasing that share. Um, and I think, you know, the CanCon quotas on commercial radio stations are often met by just playing those top few artists mm-hmm. rather than, than expanding to new, new areas. Now, has uh, over the last number of years, some of the larger record labels have been buying up some of the those those smaller record labels. Has the consolidation contributed to this as well? Absolutely, yeah. So in Canada, we have big three record labels: um, Sony, Warner, Universal. They have Canadian subsidiaries, <laughs> so we just tacked Canada on the end of them, mm-hmm. and they bought out most of the independent labels in Canada. Uh, and they control somewhere between 70 and 80% of the market in Canada. And by, you know, it, it makes sense. They've got money. There's someone doing a great thing in a small town in Saskatchewan, and they think, hey, that's a great investment. Let's buy it out. But those companies are a lot more beholden to making a profit than that small record label in Saskatchewan might have been. Mm-hmm. And so their interest kind of declines when they get those smaller labels. So that consolidation, again, it means that we're really only looking for the superstars, commercially viable people, and we're losing a lot of what's interesting and unique and creative about music and about Canadian music in particular when, when we see that happen. Now, in your piece, there are three recommendations you make for helping to bolster independent artists. What are those three ways? So the first is that we focus some of our policy specifically on independent music. And this came out of experiences that we had um, during copyright consultations, actually, where there was some lobbying happening around changing copyright terms. And Brian Adams kind of famously came out and said, you know what, giving me copyright long after I'm dead doesn't do anything. Why don't you have rights reversion? So we started to really look at what actual musicians would like in terms of policy. And one of the things that we gesture towards in that article, and we go into more depth in the full article, is the idea that the the radio sector actually does this. So the larger commercial stations um, contribute some of their profits towards supporting things like Factor, which provides grants for some of the smaller, more independent musicians, um, as well as the community radio fund. So that could extend to large entertainment venues. <laughs> especially if they've been built with, with public funds. You know, they can give some of their profits to similar funds that support other music venues. That's something else that we've really seen a decline in during the pandemic. Many of the smaller venues have closed. 
Um, so those kinds of things, expanding this to really think about the independent musician's experience. And that goes towards uh, our second recommendation, which is state funding for artists. That's something that came through really clearly in our interviews with musicians, that the smaller provincial organizations really help artists find funding to do things like record an album or to go on a tour that they might not otherwise be able to. And often these are actually quite small grants um, for, for these smaller musicians, but they enable more people to participate in music. Uh, our, all of our interviewers talked about how there really are barriers. You know, it's hard to go on tour in Canada. It's hard to cut a record in Canada, especially if you're not in Ontario. So those, those low-level funding um, grant projects could be definitely expanded on and, and built upon and opened up a little bit more so that we're not just giving them to people who have had past success. Um, which unfortunately we're starting to see more and more with the grants. They're going to the same people over and over again. And then finally, our third recommendation is moving towards a recognition that music cultures are really community-based. They're really based on cultures of care and mutual aid. Um, and so thinking through how our funders recognize that they're actually part of that as well. So are they supporting mentorships and these other ways that musicians help bring each other up? Um, and finally, it's, it's our next <laughs> our next research project, but we're looking at ways that there might be public infrastructure for streaming music. Uh, and Edmonton Public Library actually hosts uh, a place called Capital City Records, which is a digital music collection of local musicians that the, the library has commissioned and provides. <laughs> and so there's some really great ideas out there for how we can make this more part of public culture in Canada. Brianne, that was a great piece. Thank you very much. Thank you. Now, I was going to ask you, because you seem to be um, passionate about, you know, s- smaller record labels, and then I, I like a lot of the music I listen to is no one's ever heard of. Do you have a favorite musical artist you'd like to promote? Like, who's oh. your favorite? Do you have a favorite <laughs> band that no one's ever heard of? One that I can admit to in public. Uh, that's a hard one. <laughs> um, I do like a, I, one example that I talk about all the time is a band called Culture Side, and they're actually an old Texas punk band from the '80s, and they they recorded over top of other artists' music. Okay. And because of that, it's impossible to hear them anywhere. <laughs> the Culture Side claims. Culture Side, yeah. All right. Probably cool. not a general recommendation for your listeners, but for a copyright nerd, they're a lot of fun. All right, cool. Thank you very much, Brienne. Thanks. Have a good day. You too. Brienne Selman is a uh, scholarly communications and copyright librarian at the University of Winnipeg. We're going to take a break, and so if we have time when we come back, because as I mentioned, a lot of the a lot of the music I like, no one's ever heard of. So I you know, I like these smaller, a lot of the music I like is not played on a lot of the radio stations. So when we come back, I'm going to play a quick clip for you of my five favorite bands. Maybe you get to know a little bit about me. and, and Or maybe I can relabel this, the five best bands you've never heard of. <laughs> so let's do that next. Producer Polly filling in on Kitchener Today on City News 570.
Thanks again to Brianne Selman, a scholarly communications and copyright librarian who joined us just a few moments ago to talk about uh, some of the smaller artists on streaming platforms aren't getting the attention they deserve, and in some cases, purposely so. You know, maybe their music is not showing up in people's recommended lists at the proportion that they're actually being listened to. So I mentioned before the break, I am a fan. A lot of the music, I mean, I like a lot of, you know, stuff that you would know as well, but a lot of the stuff that I like is stuff that no one's ever heard of. So I'm going <laughs> to... I don't know why I'm embarrassed about this. It's weird. Anyway, the top five bands that you've never heard of. Of course, this list was compiled entirely by me and is subject to only my opinion. But anyway. All right. The uh, the number... Of, uh, we're going to do it Casey Kasem style. The number five band that you've never heard of is called Yumi Zuma. So maybe you can tell I kind of like music generally more on the pop side. <laughs> Number four is a band called DuckTales. And yes, they did name themselves after the 80s kid show. That's DuckTales. Okay, number three is a band called The War on Drugs. A lot of their songs are like six or seven minutes long, and they just jam out for uh, half of it. It's great. The band's called The War on Drugs. My number two favorite band that no one's ever heard of is Boy and Bear. Today, baby, hold my hand out on the wire. Oh, I'm telling you the whole thing. It's just a breaking of desire. You'll inevitably hold on because you always And that was one of the last concerts I saw before uh, everything shut down. It was, they played at actually Max, is this still called Maxwell's Music House? Apologies to Paul Maxwell, I'm not sure. But they, yeah, they played Waterloo. When I saw that Boy and Bear was playing Waterloo, I'm like, my second favorite band in the whole world has come. It, to me, that was like the Rolling Stones playing Waterloo. I was so excited, and you can bet I was there. And my number one favorite band that no one's ever heard of, Luke from the Newsroom, you're a fan of this band too, Tennis. 100 
good. That's a band called Tennis. Yes, spelt just like the sport. All right, you got the news coming up with Aaron Anderson. And after that, we're going to be talking about vaccine hesitancy. Why is there so much of it? And is there anything we can do to bring some people around to the vaccine side? This is Kitchener Today on City News 570. Welcome back to Kitchener Today on City News 570. Producer Polly, that's me, in with you today till 3 p.m. Reason is not the only factor that guides vaccine decisions. Understanding human decision-making is the first step in changing behavior, writes Vinod Goyal. He's a professor of cognitive neuroscience at York University and joins us now. Vinod, thanks for joining us. Hello, Paul. How are you? Not too bad. How are you doing today? Reasonably good. Reasonably good. Can't complain. I understand uh, that, you know, how, how some people might be hesitant about vaccines, but where do such crazy ideas come from? For instance, like that tweet that was quoted in the article that vaccines cause you to be impotent where 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 do where do these ideas even come from well people's imaginations i would guess <laughs> the uh, i mean some of the, there, there are i think sort of the two three sources of these ideas one source is a rational source if you say something crazy and you have a platform you're going to get an audience it doesn't matter what you actually say the crazier it is, the more uh, the, you'll, you, the larger audience you'll get, and uh, often the way these platforms work, it affects your bottom line, right? You're, 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 it, it, there's a financial incentive uh, to do this. So in this case, the idea may be crazy, but the fact that someone has put it out there is perfectly rational because they are benefiting uh, financially from it, or politically, or whatnot. So that's sort of one source. Another source is, uh, I think, that um, uh, this uh, Internet, um, sort of the, the mass communication and community formation that the Internet has enabled. So 20 years ago, 30 years ago, if you had a crazy idea, you might be able to um, write a letter to the editor uh, of the uh, Gulf Mercury or the Kitchener-Waterloo Record. And they may or may not publish it. And suppose they do publish it. Well, you've got a sort of a local distribution. And one or two people might uh, read that letter and say, yeah, yeah, you're this flack, you know, this crazy idea is correct. But people will be distributed. They won't be able to connect. With the Internet, what you've got, I think, is a situation where you can sort of communicate across the world. It doesn't cost you anything. Anyone can do it. And then the underlying algorithms that uh, sort of power these social media platforms, they find other people, you know, that, that they will present this to other people that agree. And then you get feedback, positive feedback, likes, retweets, uh, whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then here you've got the associative mind, uh, you know, uh, working away because we, you know, just like pigeons, we work for rewards. Uh, and uh, I don't think that the, the way these platforms work and the effect of these tweets, the like buttons on these tweets, 
is no different than the effect of, uh, uh, on, on the pigeons in terms of operant conditioning when they were being trained by the behaviorists or the way the animals are trained you know, at marine world. Seals are trained, mm-hmm. uh, dolphins are trained. Uh, it's the same system, I think, at work there. Now, in the pe- some of the, you know, the, 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 I think, sources of the crazy ideas themselves. Yeah. Now, in the piece you warn about, you know, people, it's dangerous to, quote, do your own research. Why is that? Yes. Okay. So, doing your own research. First of all, what do people actually mean by doing their own research? They don't actually have a lab or a wet lab or where they're isolating viruses or mm-hmm. doing genetic sequencing. Um, what they mean is they're looking, they've gone on the Internet. Hello? Yeah, yeah I'm still here. Okay. They've gone on the Internet, and they found some piece. And they may or may not be in a position to evaluate the... Um, uh, uh, the... Now, sometimes we have the illusion that we can read it and evaluate it. But the example that I like to give is uh, how many of us can labor it? Now, I have a, my, one of my best friends is a bricklayer, and we've worked together many times, and he's explained to me the process of laying bricks or laying stones, and I watch him do it, and it seems effortless, and then I try. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Why can't I do it? Well, he's been doing, he was apprenticed as a bricklayer when he was 10 years old. He's been doing it for 30 years, and uh, I haven't, so I haven't put in the time. And so with you know, with the things like being an auto mechanic, being a plumber, being an electrician, there is a process of apprenticeship, journeyman, and then you become the master. There's a similar process, I think, for scientific knowledge. So, uh, you know, you're engaged also for medicine, right? You, you, when you graduate from medical school, you don't become a doctor. You have to do an internship of many years. And here you are learning many things that are not written down, that are implicit, that are tacit but are an, a, a very important part of the, sort of the fabric of knowledge of that field. And so those of us who are not actually practicing it, um, we just don't, we may have the illusion that uh, we've acquired this knowledge because we've read this article, but it, it's just an illusion. Um, now, now, being a, a doctor or, a, you know, a researcher or a scientist is not usually a, you know, a high-profile job, but, you know, mm-hmm. being a celebrity is. So when, when yeah. celebrities make claims like that one tweet, I think from, uh, I can't remember, was it Cardi B or something, how, I guess it must be frustrating that people take more stock in what a celebrity says than what a scientist says. Yes, yes. Now, it's frustrating, and this is sort of a, another issue that's at play here. The, um, you know, when I was... Uh, Growing up in the 70s, uh, scientists and doctors were reasonably respected individuals. Right? Uh, we all sort of accepted they knew things that we did not, and that it was in our best interest to, um, uh, to sort of follow their advice. But this sort of began to change. Uh, sort of science got knocked off its pedestal, pedestal during the 70s due to some developments in the sociology of science which I think were ultimately mistaken. But the other important thing I think that's going on here with the vaccine is that this is the first time most of us are seeing science as it happens, right? Mm -hmm. So again, when I was a kid, I saw the moonshot. 
Um, I remember sitting watching uh, uh, the moonshot in our basement uh, on the TV. Mm-hmm. Now, what I did not see, so what I saw was the success. What I did not see was the 30 years of attempts, uh, failures, disagreements, uh, uh, false uh, you know, starts, uh, uh, U-turns, and so forth, that would have gone in that decision-making process to have that success. With the vaccine, uh, what's happening is because of the urgency to get, um, uh, you know, to both in terms of uh, uh, the vaccine and in terms of the advice uh, how to pro- how to protect people, we are uh, so the science is sort of uh, uh, we're doing it on the fly. So we have some data that comes in, and they interpret the data and they say, well, this is the best advice. And so the initial advice, you know, we focused a great deal on surface cleaning. As more data comes in, we realize, oh, it's not really the surface. It's not really the problem. Uh, it's actually airborne. Then it was, what, whether, is it airborne in, in sort of uh, droplets or is it airborne uh, as in aerosol sprays? Mm-hmm. And so this is not science changing its mind or not knowing what's, uh, what it's doing. It's, this is normal science. This is how science happens and unfolds. But usually we only see the end product several years down the road. Here we are sort of living through it as it's occurring. And some people are, uh, I think, sort of frustrated, uh, maybe confused um, uh, by it. Um, there's a famous um, uh, saying that I always think of in this case. It comes from Otto von Bismarck. And he is supposed to have said that there are two things in this world that are necessary to life, sausages and laws, Mm -hmm. but it's better that we not know how they're made. (laughs) And I think one can say the same thing about science. And, uh, but we're actually seeing uh, how they're made, how it's sort of done. And in seeing it, you know, just like many people might refuse to eat sausages, where people are sort of refusing sort of pushing back on the science. Uh. Now, your piece suggests that the mistake some people make uh, is based on the very nature of human behavior itself. Mm-hmm. Y- yes. And it's not that the mistake some people make. So if, uh, in terms of the human behavior, it's the same for you, I, uh, everyone, right? The, the model, we have to have the same model. But w- So what I'm saying is that We've always focused on reason, you know, give them the correct information. So with reason, we've got sort of uh, three things at play. One is some sort of belief or desire, so I want to live a healthy life. Second, you've got certain beliefs. You might believe the vaccine is safe and effective, in which case it would be reasonable or coherent to get the vaccine. Or you might believe the vaccine was rushed or is dangerous or is applied by the government and big pharma, you know, uh, then it would be reasonable to, um, uh, to not to be vaccinated. So the idea with the reasoning mind is that you just have to change people's beliefs. Mm-hmm. And what I'm suggesting and what we've been finding after sort of many years of doing this is, yes, reason is important. We are all reasoning creatures, but reason, human reason is built on top of the sort of the evolutionarily older systems that we inherited uh, as part of our biology. 
associative systems, instinctive systems, autonomic systems. Um, and what I'm saying is when it comes to uh, making a decision about who to believe, there is a particular instinct, the in-group, out-group instinct that gets activated. Right, I was going to ask about those in-groups and out-groups, yeah. Yeah, and so if you are someone who, uh, that science is in your in-group, then the in-group will be activated, you will want to believe the scientists, and the rational choice is to believe the ch- scientists. So for you it's an easy decision, because both the instinct and the reasoning mind are pointing in the same direction. But if you are someone, and you have an equally good ability to reason, but science is not in your in-group, science is in your out-group. If it's in your out-group, then you are suspicious of it. It's evil. It's trying, you know, that they're trying to trick you or hurt you or uh, something. Then you, your instinct pushes against it. Reason still says, uh, you know, you should be vaccinated, but the... Um, uh, the sort of the uh, the feelings associated with the instinctive response are far greater in you than they are with the, um, the, the than with the rational response, and so you become vaccine hesitant or choose not to get uh, vaccinated. But again, the, I think for it's not a rational choice. So it's um, um, and let me actually qualify that when I say it's not a rational choice. I do not mean it is irrational, because you're, you're, uh, the, uh, uh, you're as capable as the vaccinated person of making the rational decision. There's absolutely nothing wrong with your reasoning ability. It's just, you just happen, science just happens to be in your, for various reasons, in your outgroup. And so mm-hmm. that instinct pushes against the reason, and the reason doesn't take hold. So we tend to believe what we want to believe. Pardon? So we tend to believe what we want to believe. Uh, well, th- th- that's um, part of it. I mean, that's certainly part of the sort of the, 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 the reasoning mind. But uh, in this case, I don't think it has to do with beliefs per se. Because when we're talking about instincts, we're talking about uh, um, things that we have no uh, sort of conscious control over. Things like, you know, a suckling response in mammals, how birds build their nests. Uh, this is how I sort of think of this uh, uh, various aspects of human behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now, you mentioned in your piece um, that changing the, the, the ideas around vaccine hesitancy is changing uh, the behavior that there are three strategies to changing mm-hmm. the behavior. What are these three strategies? Right. So, uh, because I don't think it's about reason, there's nothing wrong with the reasoning, the reasoning ability. So the first strategy would be, is if we could get the vaccine hesitant to incorporate science into their in-group, then it becomes easy. Then, you know, there's no problem. But I, I, this is often very, very difficult because of the way that uh, human in-groups are sort of formed and disjoint. Because, you know, the science may go in with big pharma and government, and uh, so if you bring science in, then you may have to bring, the, you know, those people into your in-group, and so you may not want, you, you will resist that. Uh, many people will resist. But the second way is the, um, um, uh, is rather than relying on reason. Uh, because the, uh, for me, as I say, it's about the, the feeling associated with uh, satisfying the instinctive uh, 
the in-group, out-group instinct, um, then what will be more effective is the sad, you know, showing people somehow vicariously making them feel the terror of dying with COVID. Mm-hmm. And so feel the severity of COVID-19 on a more visceral level. You know, and the, the, um, so there's two sort of pieces of evidence for this. First is, um, if you remember the anti-smoking campaigns from the 70s and 80s, mm-hmm. first what we, it was tried was the Surgeon General's warning label on the cigarette packets. Mm-hmm. And so this appeals to reason alone. It worked a little bit, but not great. What worked much better and what the, uh, um, the tobacco companies fought the hardest was the sort of the very graphic, visceral pictures mm-hmm. of uh, diseased lungs, of people on ventilators dying from lung cancer. That was uh, much more effective, and it's appealing not to the reasoning mind, but at a more uh, visceral, uh, autonomic, uh, instinctive level. And you can see this. I mean, my son is a doctor uh, in Fredericton, and he tells me of patients that come in with COVID, and they want the vaccine. But he tells them, well, you already have COVID. No, you can't give you the vaccine now. It's too late. And um, uh, so, so that's an example of that. And the third is reward and punishment. And again, a story from my son uh, from, the, from the hospital in Fredericton. A uh, patient came in first time around and um, didn't want the vaccine. They, weren't, they came in for something else, but they weren't vaccinated. He offered to vaccinate them, and uh, he, they said no. And then they were back the next day because the government had um, uh, said they couldn't go to Costco without mm-hmm. being vaccinated or something. And so that was enough. Oh, I can't go to Costco. No, I need to go to Costco. Mm-hmm. Vaccinate me. Um, so this is sort of the, the penalty and the reward. So the um, And rewards work better than penalty. I mean, another penalty strategy was uh, Quebec uh, tried the, uh, uh, the extra surcharge. Uh, on OHIP, uh, not, I mean, they're equivalent. Yeah, the health tax, yeah. Yeah, the health cap. Uh, Or there was talk in the States um, offering people $100 to $100, you know, whatever it is. And so, again, what you're doing here is you're not appealing to reason. You're appealing to the the pleasure associated with the reward or the displeasure Mm -hmm. with the penalty. And when that pleasure or displeasure overrides the, uh, the pleasure you have, uh, as being a member of this in-group, then you will switch behavior. Vinod, thank you very much for your time today. Oh, you're welcome. Vinod Goel is a professor of cognitive neuroscience at York University. So from this point on, from now until 3 o'clock, the phone lines are open. Perhaps you want to comment on what you just heard. Perhaps you want to comment on something else. It's been a very busy news week. And uh, so phone lines are open for you and me until 3. 519-570-2545, out of town, 1-800-570-5715. Rush, go ahead. Yeah, thanks, Molly. Um, interesting interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he acknowledged, he, he acknowledged that, while well, he said science, the science hasn't changed, the science hasn't been wrong. It's not changing. It's not now getting r- corrected. He, he basically acknowledged that science is being done on the fly mm-hmm. right now. That's, that's a really interesting 
position to take and then to also have no to, to leave no possibility for no room for the possibility that his opinion on the science is incorrect right like it, it was pretty obvious that he thinks that that those of us who have mm-hmm. decided not to get vaccinated or those who remain vaccine hesitant i wonder if he includes the the people who got two but not three or got three but won't get four in his uh, in his equation there but it's interesting that he he doesn't he he, he I, I don't know he he doesn't say that our our rational thinking is is wrong he just thinks that we're we're doing it improperly or reaching the wrong conclusion and he wants to use uh, other methods not just data and science to to change our minds when he's not open to the possibility that it could be that he is wrong right yeah uh, thank you very much for the the call rush i just i mean science can change in some circumstances i mean uh well a thousand years ago you know 90% of scientists or geologists or whatever uh, thought the world was flat and the thinking on that changed but uh, it, always an interesting point rush i always appreciate your calls we'll get to more calls between now and three o'clock as we move on through to kitchener today this is uh, kitchener today on city news 570 Free Phones Friday is coming up next here on uh, Kitchener Today. Manny, Jason, I see you on the line. If you want to, I, I don't want to give you the bums rush by only giving you like 15 seconds of airtime. So if you can hold on, we'll get to you too. First up, right after the two o'clock news on Free Phones Friday, or you can call about anything you want, 519 570 2545. Out of town, 1-800-570-5715, and star 570, hands free. It is our annual, our weekly, annual, annual is once a year, our weekly tradition here on Kitchener Today, every Friday from 2 to 3, it's Free Phones Friday. Call in about anything you want, get it off your chest, and on the radio. We'll be back after the news. Producer Polly, that's me, filling in on Kitchener Today on City News 570. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. Friday. Is it about that time to break for the rhythm and the rhyme? No, wait, that's Marky Mark. 519-570-2545 out of town. 1-800-570-5715 and star 570 hands-free. For the next hour, the phones are open for you for anything you want to talk about. Get it off your chest and on the radio Manny, you've been waiting 13 minutes. Thanks for holding on, man. Go ahead. That long? Oh, my God. I didn't That's what my that screen said. 
I was driving, and I actually appreciate you not uh, uh, squeezing me in there before the break. I, thanks for that. No um, problem. Actually, I, I had a question just before a comment on on, on your last guest. Mm-hmm. Um, you gonna are you planning to uh, take the uh, big pay cut and take over the afternoon uh, afternoon spot on the on air or what? <laughs> I, I haven't I haven't thought about it to be honest, Manny. Uh, I, okay, well, I've always liked the, it. Oh, oh, thank you very much. <laughs> I've always liked the behind the scenes stuff. Uh, filling in every now and again, I think that is something I could do. I don't know if I'd want to do this every day, but yeah, fair enough. I digress. Fair enough. I, I'm in, well, I'm enjoying it. So thank you. Thank you. Um, I, uh, yeah, just to, to, you know, talk about the guest that was on, I, I thought it was interesting at the end uh, of the interview where he said, you know, there's three three points that he had to uh, help convince the people that are either on the fence or hesitant or whatever. And it's uh-huh. like, he had a very long winded three points that I could have made very quick for him because it's basically exactly what he said. Number one was shame. Number two was like use fear. And number three was coerce. I mean like that hasn't worked up to now. So is that uh-huh. still the only strategy, you know? And it's like yeah. uh, earlier, it's, it's almost like there's, I feel like, you know, to, to a layman like me, I guess, um, that in the academic world, there's this hubris that's pr- pr- pretty, it, it's an arrogance that's pretty off-putting. You know, it's like talking about a, his, his example of like a brick mason building a wall, right? Well, mm-hmm. it, when, those brick ma- when the brick mason's building a wall, if there's other brick masons there, I'm sure they may engage in some, allow or even engage in some kind of debate as to what the best way to build that wall is, depending on what it's there for. Mm-hmm. Where like in the world that we're living in COVID, debate has been absolutely squashed so it, it, it's it's not necessarily fair i mean like i think rush i heard rush call before me about like the science we're doing science on the fly well some people were pointing some things out really early on that mm-hmm. got smeared censored canceled and silenced and lost their jobs and now they're turning out to be you know not necessarily i don't want to say right but you know like they they there was some merit to what they were saying so mm-hmm. i think we just need to be a little bit more careful you know. All right, thanks, Manny, for the call. I mean, I guess, you know, some of these measures, I, I guess, no doubt have worked. I've a, a friend of mine, his partner, uh, you know, was, you know, is in the medical field and has been working at the, uh, you know, some of the vaccine clinics. And I was hearing, especially later on, maybe not, not at the beginning of the pandemic, but later on, a lot of people were, you know, coming into the vaccine clinic reluctantly. Yeah, I'm here. I'm going to lose my job. Just give me the jab. Let's go. So I guess in in some cases it's working. Uh it's but but you're never going to get to 100%. That that's like 90 what what are we at? 91% of people who have had two shots. That's pretty impressive. And again, you're never going to get to 100%. To get to 100%, I mean, you're literally going to have to like pin people down and put the needle in your arm. And I don't think anybody wants to see that. Jason, go ahead. Good afternoon, Polly. Uh, well, the, the thing on how people figure things out, that as soon as this stuff started here, I was paying close attention to it because there was this major threat that was coming and killing everybody. And we've seen it. It happened in uh, Italy and that it was huge there before it was even shown here. And uh, they were talking about all the deaths and hospitalizations. Like, whoa, I better pay attention to this because it is going to land here. So I was really paying attention to it. And I was noticing that it was the the obese people, the people with underlying health conditions like diabetes or uh, autoimmune diseases. It was uh, the young and the healthy were not being really affected by it. Then when it reached here, our health experts treated it as if it was uh, 
treated it and led us to believe that it was basically an equal opportunity killer. Mm-hmm. And so that had me set off on the so-called science. The main, we'll call it the mainstream science and then the non-mainstream science. So I was, I was paying attention to both sides. I was paying attention to scientists that were saying that uh, that were disagreeing with the health, the, the mainstream science. And I was listening to the mainstream science, and I was paying attention to which ones were actually working out. And it seemed like the the mainstream kept getting it wrong. They kept getting all kinds of things wrong. Where they uh, the wacko nut job conspiracy science, they kept uh, hitting things right on the head there. And then when it came to the vaccines, right away before just as phase three trials are starting, we know it's safe and effective. Anybody that denies this is a science denier. It's like the trials aren't even done yet. We do not know that it's safe and effective. Mm-hmm. Other people are calling it into question. They were talking about how it's only targeting a single spike protein, and uh, uh, the virus will almost certainly go around it because it's so limited in its uh, field to attack the, the virus. And anybody, when I try to bring that up, uh, all the mainstream science says that that is absolutely, that I'm a science denier and I'm uh, whatever, but we've actually watched that happen. They said that it was the way out of it. And I was paying attention to what was going on in Israel. By the time we were putting the first shot in arms, we already had two doses in Israel. They already had a vaccine passport, and it was failing. They were already going on to three shots. I tried to mention that. And the healthcare people here are saying that, oh, we don't, we're not going to need a booster, two shots, and it's going to get us out of this. They say, well, they're already going on to three in Israel. Oh, that's a conspiracy theory. Uh, then by the time we were putting the passport in here, Israel already was failing on a three-dose passport. And to say that we were going to fail here with this passport, I was being a conspiracy theory, and I'm listening to whack job scientists. But it's like the, I, I, I was listening to the scientists that are at, when they say something and it actually matches up with what reality shows us, instead of listening to the scientists that they say something and it doesn't add up in the end. All right. Thanks, Jason, for the call. Uh, it's, it's, I, I don't know if Jason knows his stuff. He, he, he knows all sorts of different angles, and I, I wish I could respond to some of what he says because I, 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 I don't have the time to you know, see all the, the different theories. But it, it is interesting you know, because you know, a year and a half ago, or I guess two years ago when the you know, the pandemic started. For instance, you know, some people were saying, well, could these lockdowns be causing more harm than good in the long run? Things like missed cancer screenings and things like that. And, and you know, people were saying, well, the number one priority has to be the virus at this point. But then there was this study out from, uh, was it Johns Hopkins University a couple of weeks ago that suggested actually maybe there were unintended consequences. So, I don't know. It's the whole, it, It'll be years before we know the real, you know, the real story behind, you know, was that the right response? I don't know. It's going to be years before we find out for sure. Kyle, go ahead. Oh, hey, Polly. How's it going? Good. Good. All right. I got nothing really to say. I just wanted to say to you and Brittany that you guys did an awesome, awesome, awesome job this week. And I really enjoyed the whole week of listening to you guys. It flew by. And I hope that I could hear more of you guys uh, in the future. Like, I know that you guys don't want to do it full time, but I mean, you know what? I'm, I loved it. And I hope that, you know, you guys continue to do the, do the show like this. You wait on the line for what, 18 minutes to tell me that? 
uh, or whatever it was. I don't know. The timer resets yeah, as yeah. soon as I put. <laughs> some, but it was a long. It was. Oh wait a minute. Maybe it wasn't eighteen. Fifteen. No, I can't remember. But you waited on the line a while to, to tell me that. So thank yep. you very much, Kyle. That's much appreciated. Have a great weekend. Yeah, you too. I think I will now. After that, so yeah, it's 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 been a lot of fun being in this week and. Uh, Happening now, this just in, I am hosting on Monday as well. I was asked that yesterday and said, yeah, I I will host Monday. And then starting Tuesday, there'll be some different rotating hosts in here. Uh, I'm not going to give any names away. Uh, I don't know. I might get in trouble for doing it. Some of the names you will know. Some of them you might not know. Uh, it just depends. So actually, mo- most of them you probably will know if you are listening to this station on a regular basis. One of them you might not know, but if you're an avid radio listener in KW, no, you know, I don't even want to say that because when this person was in the building, they really weren't on the air. So you might not know who this person I've said too much. I'm going to get the big hook. But anyway, I'm in on Monday, and starting Tuesday, we're going to see uh, some of the rotating guest hosts. But, you know, I, I I have enjoyed filling in. Again, I, I don't know if I would want to do this full-time. I, I'm exhausted at the end of this week. I've, I've been losing a lot of sleep this week. And I'm just, oh, what's on the show? Oh, we don't have a guest confirmed for 1 o'clock. What am I going to do? But you know what? This is another thing. Brittany is a fantastic executive producer. And even when she's not here, she hasn't been feeling well the last couple of days. That's why she hasn't been here. But she's still chugging along, doing her job from home, even though Mike Farwell and I have said, listen, we will pick up some of the slack. We will book some of the guests. We will email out the lineup. And she still insists on doing it. And, you know, as... You know, because I have, again, I've hosted on this station a few times in the past. And in the past, basically, I've booked my own guests. It's only an hour here or there or whatever. It is such a pleasure to have a great producer like Brittany who, you know, hey, how about this for an idea? And then a guest just magically shows up on the lineup for that segment. So, Brittany, I really appreciate what you're doing around here. And I've, 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 I've liked filling in. This week. Okay, enough about me. Sorry about that. I don't want to make this all about me. It's about you. It's Free Phones Friday, 519-570-2545, out of town, 1-800-570-5715, and star 570, hands free. Lorraine, go ahead. Oh, hi. I think you hit it right on the head when you said that we won't know for years what the long-term effects of us of, of mm-hmm. is going to be. Also, I'd like to say, in spite of the fact that you feel or you say they're so nervous and can't sleep and all that, you sounded so natural. Oh, Amazing. <laughs> anyway, I think we've reached as many, perhaps, as we can people t- to inoculate now. I think we've got just the hardcore left. So I think we should send our vaccines that we don't need to poor areas and countries that are needing it and reduce worldwide, um, you know, the the effects of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And a word to those people who are complaining of their lack of freedoms. Canada and the United States, we we live in the most wonderful world 
uh, countries in the world, I think, not perfect. Mm-hmm. Nothing was ever perfect, but we have more freedoms than any others can ever dream of. And look at Russia right yeah, now. Yeah, look at Russia, Ukraine. I was just going to say that. Look what's happening there. Yeah, they're so... Putin is a dictator along the lines of that of Hitler. And look what happened there when we let him have Poland to appease him, and we ended up in a World War in World War Two. He's not going to stop. Mm-hmm. And I remember... You know, I, my, I was born in 1938. My parents went through the Depression and in the war. I remember our freedoms were were put down to a certain extent. You know, probably would lock at knock the door, huh, knock at the door at night because we had light showing through past our curtains mm-hmm. when we were listening to the radio that had lights in the radio, like tubes that had lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen those old radios. Yeah. yeah. So, and my uncle's on on the home patrol. Talking about um, submarines in the, this is in Montreal, submarines in mm-hmm. the um, Gulf of St. Lawrence, and listening to planes to see if they sounded like enemy planes. And I, I think, we, you know, that that would be a horrible thing if we don't stop Putin. Yeah. If we don't, get, well, something like that will happen again. Yeah, thanks for the call, Lorraine. All all very good points. I think we're about, what, 90, 91, 92% vaccination rate. And I think I remember at the when the vaccines came out, I think we were, a lot of people were saying that 80% would be a good number, and we're at 91% or 92%. Patty, go ahead. Hello, I'm nervous, but I felt I had to call in because I wanted to tell you how much I have enjoyed listening to you host the show this week. Not only do I think you're a good interviewer, but you know what's so great about you? You're so real. You're so genuine. Oh, thanks. All you have to do is be yourself. You're natural. And I really think we need people like you on the radio right now. Also, Mm -hmm. you're you're very relaxed, unlike me right now. (laughs) But you're very relaxed, and your voice is very comforting. Like, I just caught the tail end of your show yesterday, and, you know, I was listening to all about what's happening in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Just hearing your voice made me feel very comforted. So I really, really, really hope you change your mind and that you will host this show. And I'm glad to hear you're going to be on Monday, but I will really miss not hearing you. So, Well, I mean, I'm I'm going to start the Polly fan club. We (laughs) want you on the air. (laughs) All right, thanks. I had to call it even though I'm really nervous. Well, you sounded great. Thanks, Patty. You know, it's it's. I've been listening back to some of the shows that I've done this week. You know, on the on the podcast app when it shows up every evening. And a lot of the time, I'm like, you know what? I was really nervous at the time. I didn't think it sounded that great. And then when I listen back, it sounds pretty good. <sighs> Let me think about it. I I don't. <laughs> I I don't want to make it about me, so I'm just going to leave it there. I've talked earlier this week about why I like being on the other side of the microphone. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. Uh, Free Phones Friday is in full effect right now. 519-570-2545, out of town, 1-800-570-5715, and star 570, hands-free, anything you want to talk about from now to 3 o'clock. This is Kitchener Today, producer Pauly filling in, that's me, on City News 570. Anything you want to talk about. 
From now to 2 to 3, the phone lines are open. It is free phones Friday, but don't bother calling right now because the phone lines are jammed. Andre, go ahead. Good afternoon, Mr. Producer Pauly. Thank you. Yes, it's, uh, it's, it's so packed. I was having a hard time getting in, so you're going to have to take a break next week because you're getting overpopulated. <laughs> just a joke. Um, no, I just want to talk about you, Ms. Pauly, because um, a couple things we have in common. I, I've been listening to you, and when you get a little bit nervous, you talk about food. And I'm the same way, and that's a good remedy. <laughs> I never, I never noticed that. I just really, yes, when I get yes. nervous, I talk about food. Okay, yes. or different <laughs> restaurants, or things that you know about food, or yeah. yeah you- yeah. Well, my, eat, my my wife and I do eat out at restaurants a lot. That's kind of our Achilles heel. Maybe that's why. Yeah, you threw that one to the Meredith morning, too. <laughs> <laughs> and my last thing, I've been waiting for this for a couple months now to talk to you about it. And you mentioned about Mr. Scott, um, the best defense, Scott Stevens. And I, <laughs> I was like, damn, I forgot about him. <laughs> And I checked him out, yeah, I checked him out, and I couldn't believe that he was out by a concussion. Do you know more about that? No, I don't. And you know what? The thing is, Andre, I'm not even uh, that big of a hockey fan. Where the the Scott Stevens thing came from, I guess a few months ago, we were doing some sort of trivia thing on Farwell's show and... I can't even remember the exact what happened, but I, I think the bit was something like, does Paulie know the answer? You know, yes or no. All you have to do is bet whether or not Paulie's going to know the answer to the question that we're going to ask. And if you got your prediction right, you won the prize. And, and my, whenever a question came up about the Kitchener Rangers, my default answer was always Scott Stevens. <laughs> and it became a joke at one point. So I just kept saying it, even if I really did think it was a different kitchen arranger or whatever, because Scott Stevens, is he might be the most famous ranger to ever put on the uniform. If, if anybody wants to call and, and maybe suggest somebody else, but cert, I mean, went on to the you know, historic career with the New Jersey Devils. But so I just, it became a thing on the, I really don't know much about him, stats or otherwise, other than the fact that he used to play for the Kitchener Rangers before he started in the NHL. So that's where the whole Scott Stevens thing came from. (laughs) Thank you, Andre. Lots of time for you and you and you on Free Phones Friday. Give us a call, 519-570-2545. Out of town, 1-800-570-5750. 15 and star 570 news is coming up next with aaron anderson and then we're back on kitchener today on city news 570 did i hear that right so maybe you've heard about the uh, the slashing incident at uh, princess cinemas the other day a couple of people came in and reportedly slashed the screen so one person slashed the screen and the other recorded it? Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, this is Free Phones Friday on City News 570. Kitchener today, producer Paulie, sitting in with you today. Uh, got lots of people on the line. Let's hit them up. Mark, go ahead. Afternoon, Paulie. Mark calling again. Yeah, um, I'm glad to hear you're hosting again on Monday. All right, yeah. There yeah, you go. Perfect, perfect day, rent and rave. 
Mm-hmm. And then you're having a couple new hosts on, you said? Yeah, well, well, Farwell's still here. Rant and Rave is Farwell's thing, remember. Oh, right. You're ah. up from, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Noon to three. And can I take a guess at who one of the hosts might be? Uh, you can. I don't think I'll tell you who it is. Okay, no, you won't. Is uh, possibly Jeff Allen coming back for a day? <laughs> That's not happening, I can tell you okay. that. Okay, okay. Okay. Now, Getting away from that, Polly, um, I know you're a George Harrison fan. He's my favorite Beatle, yes. I know. Um, he would have been 79 yesterday. Yeah, his birthday was this week, yeah. Exactly. And my next question, Polly, uh, do you have a favorite song by him, or is it too many to pick from? <sighs> my favorite song by him is probably one that he wrote for the Beatles, Here Comes the Sun. Okay, that's a great one. That's probably my favorite one, but his solo stuff is fantastic. I can't Absolutely. think of a favorite one off uh, the top. What about It's a Pity? Isn't yeah. it a pity? Mm-hmm. That's a beauty. Um, Cloud Nine. Uh, he's, he's had so many uh, great, fantastic You know, songs. my I, favorite I, George Harrison song didn't get a lot. It, I don't know. No, I don't think it was his first solo album because it came out in the late 80s. No, His first geez. solo album was that triple album. All right, All Things Must Pass. pass. Is that what it was? Yes. My favorite George Harrison song came out in the 80s. It's called This Is Love. I actually, I have that album too, Paul. I forget which album it's off of, Mm -hmm. but I do have it. Yeah. Yeah, It didn't get a lot of airplay, but I tell you, the last 30 seconds of that song with with the guitar playing is the most beautiful thing in music history. You know what? I agree with you. I'm... And I'm glad you picked up on George. Um, yeah, he was fantastic. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate okay. the call. Uh, let's keep moving on. Brianne, go ahead. Hello. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hi. Um, I have two things. Today. Yep. Uh, the first one, um, I just want to say it's really cool that there's so many people calling in and complimenting you. Yeah. And that's really awesome. And, you know, in a world when there's just, so many people complaining all the time. It's nice to spread that positivity. Yeah, that's a positive side of it. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm getting embarrassed here. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Um, and then my second thing is, um, oh, well, I'm going to complain now. Um, no, I just wanted to say stuff about people complaining about mask mandates and vaccines and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, my thought, if I go to a pool and it's a public pool and there's a sign up and it says, if you've had diarrhea in the past seven days, you can't go swimming here. Right. I'm, I'm not going to look at that sign and go, freedom, I want to swim. So, like, just put a mask on. Yeah, I, I see the point. And it's interesting because we're, we're, you know, we're in the beginning stages now. You know, I think actually the Ontario government has announced that the plan anyway, I think is to, maybe I'm wrong, but to, of course at some point, let's just say this, at some point, the mask mandates are going away. And I, I'm curious to see whether or not um, some people still wear a mask. I know that, you know, I mentioned this earlier in the show, that the state of Nevada recently got rid of their mask mandate. And it, it, it depends where, my understanding is, is, depending on where you go, the percentage of people who are wearing a mask voluntarily changes like in the casino almost nobody is wearing a mask but if you go to you know the dollar store almost everybody's wearing a mask so it just i guess it just depends 
you know, I, you know, I, I'm a believer. Listen, so the mask, the mask mandates go away at some point. If there's a business that says we'd still like you to wear a mask to protect, you know, our customers or whatever, I, you know, I can respect that, you know. And if I really want to shop at that store, I'll put a mask on. I won't, I won't raise a stink or. Maybe depending on my mood, maybe I'll say I'll go somewhere else. But it's it is going to be interesting because you know some people I don't know because as we've because as we saw at the at the at the mall in Ottawa the first week of the of the trucker protest, a bunch of protesters walked into the the downtown mall without a mask just to prove a point. I, no. The mall, no, listen, the mall has the rule. Well, okay, technically it's the government rule, right? You have to wear a mask everywhere, but we're all looking out for our own self-interests, right? And maybe that mall's interest is the same as your interest, which is you don't want to be bugged. And it's maybe it was easier for the mall to just do the mask thing instead of fighting it. So if no matter what the... The mandate is if, you know, there's a business or a mall that is asking you to wear a mask, I would respect that. Don't throw it in somebody else's face just because you want to prove a point. All right. Who's been on the line the longest? Terry, go ahead. Hey, Producer Paulie. Uh, you know, what? funny you were just talking about masks. I'll tell you, I haven't had a cold in two years, so I might, uh, during the wintertime, I might keep my mask on out in public. Yeah, I, 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 I think you might see that going forward, particularly in the winter, yeah. Yeah, because uh, pretty much every winter I was good for a cold or two, and I haven't had one in two years, so it's uh, it's working. Uh, anyway, in the wintertime, I, I think uh, you were talking about Scott C. I think he's a... People are fascinated with him. I think because he was a hometown player, like he, he grew up in. Yeah, Kitchener. that's why he's from Kitchener too. Yes, Maybe that was yeah. part of the fascination too. I forgot about that. Yeah, because the Rangers have had great, great players come up mm-hmm. through the system, like Bill Barber, you know, Dwight Foster, guys yeah. like that, Brian Bell's, and, and and so on. Even Larry Robinson, uh, even though you know he's uh, he, he, he predated uh, Stevens, and yeah. you know, he was a big name too. But uh, Paulie, uh, yeah, you um, you are doing a great job. I must say, like I said yesterday. And you were talking about you needed a personality for the radio. Like you know, you got these person. No, you don't need. You're a natural man. I mean, something yeah. like like in the states, you get syndicated talk show hosts like yeah. Dr. Laura Schlesinger. She makes all her callers cry. You could yeah. probably, if you wanted to do that, you could probably make them cry. <laughs> you know, Dr. Like Laura. There yeah, is a name. No, I I think she's doing her thing on satellite. But for many years, yeah. we we actually had her on this station. Yeah, we used to been- carry her years ago. I used to listen to her in Windsor years ago, probably like 25, 30 years ago, and then they replaced her. It was a uh, CH, I can't remember, 800, and it was... Yeah, 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 yeah. And then they replaced her with Dr. L- uh, Joy Brown, so they went from one yeah. to the other. But she, think... she's been kicking around forever, yeah. Um, Actually, Dr. Joy Brown is no longer with us. She, she passed um, away. She, she passed, passed away a couple of years ago. 2016. Yeah, talking yeah. on the phone with her sister. Like, yeah. she was fine, and then literally in the middle of a phone call, that was it. 
Yeah, I heard about that because it was funny how I came across that story. I was actually looking for her on the radio again because I, you know, I didn't listen to her for the gate. Uh-huh. I think last time she was around the, the airways around here. I think she was in London. Yeah, I wanted her on the radio stations like probably fifteen years ago. Then I, and then I came across her story that she had passed away. It's sad. Yeah, cause I, yeah, I, yeah I of course. Her. Yeah, I, actually, I kind of, I kind of liked her show. Be uh, before I go, before I go, Paul, I know you got uh, uh, probably more callers. Yep. Uh, is Brock the replaced Brian there for a week or so? Is he is he on the list uh, as a guest? Uh, he. He's not one of the guest hosts. Oh, okay. Brock, uh, what was his last name? Greenhalch, who filled Green in Hulch, here. Yeah. He, his full-time job, he's a teacher. Oh, is that And so right? he okay. is only available during certain times of year, the summer, maybe a couple of weeks around Christmas. So maybe you'll hear him again in the summer if we're still doing this guest host thing. I wouldn't be surprised if that's a possibility. Yeah, because he was good too. I, yeah, I enjoyed him. Yeah, yeah. He was only on for a short while, but I was just wondering if he was on the consideration. List. No, but, but he, he has a full time job. I'm sure he would have been the first person we called uh, had he not had a full time job being a teacher. Excellent, Paul. Have yourself uh, a good weekend. Yeah, cool. Okay? You too. I remember yeah, Dr. Laura. Remember her? She. <laughs> she put. She, she was a radio psychologist or psychiatrist. I guess it would be. Now, we used to carry her on the show on the station for for many many years, and she was she was very traditional in terms of you know didn't didn't think that you should live with somebody before you married them. And she would someone would call up and go, "Yeah, I'm Dr. Laura. Me and my boyfriend are living together." It goes, "What are you doing living with him? You shouldn't be shacking up with that guy." <laughs> and sometimes that was the end of the call. She didn't want to hear from anybody who was shacking up with the guy because that's your problem right there. <laughs> Dr. Laura, there's a name from the past. John, go ahead. Hey, Polly. How's it going? Good. What can I do you for? Good. Uh, first time caller, long time listener. Thank you. So just uh, wanted to say I loved your little music segment. I actually had you pegged as a. More of a Finnish power metal band kind of a guy. What? Like a Finnish power metal? Now, I like Swedish <laughs> pop music, but that's way different, I think, than Finnish power oh, metal. Really? <laughs> yeah, man. It's pretty good. Anyways, I wanted to echo what Patty and many others have been saying, that uh, you're, doing, uh, you're doing a great job, and not since the days of uh, Jeff Allen, to be honest, have I really given a crap to listen to, to the whole mm-hmm. 570 segments and whatnot so keep up the good work you're genuinely curious you let people speak you don't cut people off and whatnot so mm-hmm. i just wanted to say good job i think a lot of other people are echoing the same thing all right thank you very much john stay on, man stay on dude yeah thanks good job. <laughs> that's very nice bob go ahead hey paul how are you good well, i have a question for you then i'm gonna get did gd could have been either John Roberts or J.D. Roberts work at this work at Chum. Oh, I, you know, wasn't it J.D. the Rabbit? No, no, J.D. Roberts. Oh, J.D. Roberts. Roberts. Oh, right. He ended. I don't know what he's doing. I think is that CBS News now. Yeah, he's at Fox. I think. Yeah, he was at Chum years ago. He actually worked uh, at our sister station Chime oh, okay. for a very brief time, maybe. I don't know, this probably would have been the, the mid-80s for maybe two months. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he has local connections here, yeah. But, yeah, what about him? No, I was just wondering if that was the guy that was work, worked for you and not. I was going to ask a couple Yeah, J.D. Roberts, yes, he did. Yeah. He did work here briefly, many moons ago. Okay, and I was wondering, you think in the summer, 
that these mas- anti-maskers are going to be complaining about people having going to restaurants that they have to wear shoes and those won't be served. No shoes, no sh- shirt, no service. <laughs> or no, no no mask, no service. <laughs> no, but you know, they might go to no shoes, no shirt, no service. I mean, I mean they, it's coming down to the right to go shirtless in the restaurant. Yeah. That, that, that's, I've always gotten a kick out of that sign. Right? No shirt, no shoes, no service. No mention of pants. You could just walk in there wearing a shirt and shoes. I'm here. <laughs> Flo, go ahead. Hey, Paul. Uh, I just want to make a comment about that that so-called professional you had on your uh, your show earlier. Uh, which one? The uh, the, the vaccine uh, yeah. guy? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just the... He dove into every psychological, like, like possibility of as to why people are having doubts about the vaccine, mm-hmm. when the facts are easy. This was supposed to be the be-all, end-all uh, virus was vaccine, and it wasn't. First, it was breakthrough cases, then breakthrough cases became the majority. Mm-hmm. And you're wondering why people are skeptic? How, how does he not get that as a professional, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. they use their educational titles to hide their almost like oblivious denial by almost mm-hmm. mental illness status, in my opinion, to be nice, right? But yeah, yeah man, no, no, I can't believe that. Yeah, the, the thing that fascinated me, the, the reason I wanted to have him on is because the, you know, the, um, you know, the subject of the article was kind of, you know, kind of why do people believe what they believe? Because I, one thing that has bugged me about, you know, the whole vaccine thing is l- listen there i believe there are legitimate reasons people are skeptical about the vaccine you know maybe you've had allergic reactions to vaccines in the past and you know, you're a little bit wary about this one maybe you've had covid and some of the some of the research suggests that if you've had covid your Immunity is six times more than getting a vaccine. So maybe you think, I've had COVID, I don't need it. Or maybe you're skeptical because this vaccine showed up, you know, on shelves, as it were, in like, what, nine months. And it sometimes takes pharmaceutical products two or three years, even four years from development to the time they hit the shelf. So maybe people are a little skeptical of, you know, why did this show up so quickly? So I think there are legitimate reasons. Uh, And I I don't like, you know, some of the wording regarding, you know, the vaccine hesitant thing, because when when you hear people, you know, anti-vaccine, well, to me, that that is lopping people who have what I, again, what I feel could be a legitimate concern or just questions in with people who think that the vaccine is a way to put a microchip in your arm or that taking the vaccine causes you to be infertile. So I was curious kind of, you know, where the, I was curious kind of where those ideas came from. Cause I, I mean, I, you know, I'm pro vaccine. I've had my, I've had my three shots but I also don't think that this should be forced to everybody. As I was saying earlier in the show, there's no way we're ever going to get to 100%. We're, there's always going to be a handful of people who are skeptical for whatever reason. So that, that was my 
my real interest in kind of having that conversation. Where do the really kind of out there claims for the vaccine hesitancy come from? Again, you know, microchips and things like that. Chuck, go ahead. Hey, how are you, Paulie? Good. I uh, just want to make a couple of comments to you. Mm-hmm. One is, I think that you should take this job full time. <laughs> because I... I, I've, other than Brian, Brian, I listen to Brian and Mike through the week. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a lot of driving, so I, I listen to you through the week. You've got a lot more patience with people than Mike does. And... and you're you're up along the lines of Brian. Really? So, you know, he Brian sometimes has a bad day and and cuts people off, but I mean, everybody has a bad day. Yeah. All right. Um, well, yep. Go ahead. Also about this vaccine hesitancy. You know, it came way too quick. It got pushed too hard. I mean, some places they were they had lotteries where you you know you'd win something if you did it, like in Quebec. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of frightens people. Why are you pu- pushing it so hard? Yeah. Um, anyways, um, like I said, I, I've, I'm pro vaccination, but this one was a scary one. Yeah. Okay. They, thank you very much, Chuck, for the call. Uh, I don't. I think I just said everything I wanted to say, kind of the you know the vaccine hesitancy a moment ago. But yeah, thanks very much, Chuck. And uh, call again sometime. Your voice. I don't remember hearing him call before. I think that's a new voice. Tom, go ahead. How are you? Good. What do you want to talk uh, about? Well, I uh, I'm sad Brian uh, left. Like uh, he was one of a kind. You know, he was great. Yeah. Honestly, and, uh, in the top five talk show hosts I've ever heard. And I've been yeah. listening to talk radio and, since uh, I was 10. It's, it's not just that. It's his knowledge of everything. Very like, well read. Yeah. learning on the... Uh, you you want to talk politics. You want to talk internationally. You want to talk anything. And it was, and it was really sad. I hope he comes back. I hope they write him a blank check. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I wish him all the best. Never say uh, never. Yeah, as Brian said last week. Yeah. Yeah. But you're uh, you're up there. Uh, <laughs> you're pretty good. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break. We'll have time for a couple of calls coming up after the break. This is Kitchener Today on City News 570. With producer Paulie filling in this week. We got a couple of calls on the line. I think we can have enough time to get to them if they're both quick. Paul, go ahead. Hi there, Paulie. How are you doing? Good. What can I do you for? Well, first of all, I'd like to suggest that a, a large number of your clientele suffer from an illness. It's easily curable. Um, uh, it's called loquacious exuberance. What does that mean? Verbal diarrhea. Like they, they talk too much? <laughs> well, You think I let people on too much? <laughs> well, not only do they talk too much, but they they do not talk factual I don't know where they get these some of these glimpses of truth or or resemblances of truth, um, but they they really do um, tie up tie you up. I know Brian used to have some fun debates with some of them. Mm-hmm. The one thing I would like you to do, I'd like you to start a GoFundMe 
Um, they steal all your funds, though, Paul. I can't do that. Yeah, but this is for a really good cause. <laughs> Go ahead. To send the leaders of the truckers' convoy to the Ukraine. Then they might find out what freedom is all about. Yeah. Yeah, I hear <laughs> your point, Paul. That's a success whether you stay at this or not, sir. Right. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Tom, we have 30 seconds. Go ahead. Hi. How are you? I just uh, hope that we take a second look about uh, getting involved and going to Ukraine. First of all, the president is the most corrupt. They found $500 million in a uh, Panama Bank. The Ukrainian president is corrupt? Yeah, of course. Big time. The whole system. Like, you look at any of those ex uh, commie countries, they're the most corrupt ever. Uh, so are they you on the, the side money. of Russia then in this invasion? No, no, I'm on the side of why are we pushing? Why do we need Ukraine in the in the NATO? Why? Well, you, yeah, but Ukraine's not a member of NATO, or is that the I point know, you're but making? I mean, okay. this, this is the whole thing that they're not supposed to go in, and they shouldn't. Like, I mean, they should care. Uh, Biden is pushing because his son is getting a three million dollar payoff every year from Ukraine, and they're pushing to sell arms. I mean, do we know that for a fact, Tom, that Biden is receiving money from Ukraine? Yes. Okay. I I mean, I don't know every story out there, obviously. I haven't heard that. Maybe that'll make the previous caller happy that maybe I do push back on people from time to time. Listen, it's been a slice hosting this week. As I mentioned, they, they twisted my arm and I'm back on Monday. So... Everybody have a good weekend, and we'll be back to you Monday from noon to 3 on City News 570.